0: As we continue in our series on the book of Acts, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, and today we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Acts is located, uh, I would encourage you to do this. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the beginning, to the table of contents. There you'll find that the Bible's broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. And so find the New Testament, five books in is Acts, and you wanna go to chapter eight. Now, if you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible and you will find Acts about two thirds of the way down that list, Acts chapter eight. Now, back in 2005, I was a young, excited, uh, impressionable, and incredibly stupid youth minister. Um, I had this opportunity though that uh, year to go to a youth ministry conference. And so I'm surrounded by thousands of other youth ministers who are there to grow and learn how to do ministry better, how to spread the gospel and disciple teenagers. And during that week, I got the opportunity to listen to some of the most talented and amazing youth ministers from all over the world. I was continuously blown away by the things they said and uh, what they did. I had pages and pages of notes. And then on the very last night of the conference, I was listening to one of the speakers and he was uh, doing something giving this amazing illustration and telling us how to be better ministers for the gospel. And I was just blown away. I I was impacted. I was moved and I was so convicted about what God was telling me. And in that moment, I had a thought. I thought, I want to be just like that guy on stage. I want to help other ministers and other leaders so that they can go and do God's work as well. And then that thought began to evolve. I thought, I don't want to just help people. I want to be that guy up on the stage. I want to be the guy that that is helping people, that is helping thousands of youth ministers at one time. And then I got to thinking, I could be that guy. Then I got to thinking, Not only could I be that guy, I should be that guy. I realized in that moment that they needed me. They needed my words of wisdom. I didn't know what those words of wisdom were, but they needed them. They needed to know what I could teach them. I knew that they needed it. And in turn, they needed me. God wanted me to be on that stage. God wanted me to influence thousands of people all over the nation. And about an hour later, in the closing session, the last speaker of the conference got up to speak. And this is the guy that they reserve for the very end. He's the guy that is going to come along and his talk is going to basically tear you apart and then put you back together. And he started by talking about how he was one of the organizers for the conference and that he wanted to speak to us about a sin that he had been noticing amongst the attenders of the conference. And and that sin specifically was pride. And I thought, oh, this is gonna be such a good talk. You know, so many of the guys here need to hear about the pride that they're struggling with. This is gonna be amazing. And then he said this, he said, many of you have come up to me this week and said that I needed them to be a part of that conference, that they needed, uh, that I needed them to be a speaker for the conference, that they had something important and valuable that needed to be said from the stage and they were the ones that needed to do it. And then he said this, very simply, he looked at all of us and said, no, no, I don't. I don't need you. If I need you, God will be the one to put you in the place to be a speaker at this conference. Now, I don't remember anything else that that guy said in that, that speech, that, that talk that night, because I, in that moment, realized that the Holy Spirit was speaking right to me. I realized in that moment that I was the one struggling with pride. I was the, wrong, the one with the wrong motivations. I was the one that was filling myself up when in reality, I should have been humble and I should have been depending on God's direction for my life, not my own direction. My heart dropped, but my, my spirit was humbled In that moment, I realized that my heart was in the wrong place. Have you ever had a moment like that? A moment where God's spirit convicted you of something, made you realize that your heart was in the wrong place? Well, luckily for us, that happens often. It's not unique to any individual person. It happens to all of us. And in today's account from the early church, we find a man that had the wrong heart motivations. And so take your Bibles or your apps and turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter eight, we're gonna begin in verse four. And so let me give you a recap as you're finding Acts eight, verse four. Basically, the early church has been trucking along. It's been uh, been growing by thousands of people on the regular basis. Uh, People are coming to know Jesus and all of these amazing things are happening. Uh, There've been some arrests of the apostles and threatening, uh, but nothing's really happened until the previous chapter, in in chapter seven, Stephen, a man who is a part of the early church, is arrested for telling people about Jesus. And then he gives this amazing speech and the religious leaders are so offended by it that they take him outside the city gates and they kill him, they execute him. And then they begin the process of actively hunting down, persecuting, the followers of Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. And as a result, the people who are following Jesus are scattered all over the known world at that time. They have to flee the city because of the persecution. But if you read the beginning of of chapter eight, you find that as they go, they tell others about Jesus and the church continues to grow, but grows outside of the city of Jerusalem. Now pick up with me in verse four. It says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he proclaimed to them the Christ, Jesus. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So Philip has gone out as a missionary. Now this is more than likely not Philip the apostle, the the early disciple of Jesus. This is probably Philip uh, that is mentioned in Acts chapter 6 as one of the first seven deacons, one of the first seven uh, servants to the church. And so Philip goes out and he tells people about Jesus as he goes. He's healing people and casting out unclean spirits, demons. And people are coming to know Jesus as a result of that. And the church grows. You know, Philip didn't care who he was around. He was telling anybody that would listen to him. You, the I want you to notice that It makes a point in verse five to point out that Philip is no longer in necessarily speaking with Jewish people. He's in the the part of Israel called Samaria, which contained a people group, a a racial group that the Jewish people actually hated. They despised them. But Philip didn't care. Even though he was a good Jewish man, an Israelite, He didn't care who he was talking to. He wanted everyone to know about Jesus and that Jesus could save them from their sins. You can be saved from your sins. You see, that's the whole purpose of this book and of the work of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was and is God's one and only son. And the Bible tells us that he came to this earth as a human, as a man, and he went through all of the temptations that we struggle with, and yet, despite that, he lived a sinless life. He never disobeyed God's will for his life. And yet, at the end of his life, he was accused and he was executed. He died on a cross to save us from our sins. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And the fact of the matter is, is the reason that he died on that cross and rose from the grave was that he, so that he could save you and I from our sins. You see, we're all sinners. In other words, we all disobey God in some way. And as a result, we're criminals in the eyes of God. But Jesus came and on that cross, he forgave all of us of our sins. He paid the price for our sins so that instead of receiving eternal punishment, we would receive eternal life with him. And he offers that to you today. Maybe you're watching and you've never believed in Jesus. You've never begun a journey with Jesus. And maybe you've got questions or maybe you wanna know more about how to follow Jesus. If that's you, I want you to stop right now and I want you to either go to our website and click on the contact us page, or I want you to take out your device and text the word changing to 94000. We'll have someone reach out to you as soon as possible to talk to you about what Jesus uh, is, what he's calling you to in your life, and answer any questions that you might have about following him. So don't hesitate to do that. So Philip's going out and he's telling the world about Jesus. Everywhere he goes, he's talking about Jesus and and doing things for Jesus. Now pick up with me, again, Acts chapter eight. Pick up with me where we left off, off in verse nine. Acts chapter eight, verse nine. It says this, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying, uh, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the, is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time, he had amazed them with his magic. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, And even Simon himself believed and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Verse 14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for they had not yet fallen on, he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, "'May your silver perish with you, "'because you thought that you could obtain "'the gift of God with money. "'You have neither part nor lot in this matter, "'for your heart is not right before God. "'Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, "'and pray to the Lord that, if possible, "'the intent of your heart may be forgiven.'" For I see that you are in gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Wow. Pretty interesting account. Basically, they come along. Philip comes along and he's preaching and telling people about Jesus and, and casting out spirits, performing for miracles. And along the line, he comes across a man named Simon, who's a magician, someone who was very well thought of amongst the Samaritans. As a matter of fact, they called him great. Literally, that was what they called him by name. Oh, the great one or, or greatness is coming but he was just a magician. And so as people of this area of Samaria are coming to know the Lord, they're following Jesus, Simon also becomes a believer. He begins following Jesus. But let me be clear, what he had been doing prior to believing in Jesus was false. He was a false prophet, a false teacher. He tricked people by learning how to do magic tricks, basically. And through his magic, he tricked them into following him and thinking that he was someone great. And then when he sees the miracles that Philip and Peter and John are performing, he wants that also. And so he goes to them and says, here, let me pay you and you can teach me how to do this as well. And Peter condemns this action. You see, Simon probably thought just like his own magic tricks that he had paid and learned how to do, he probably thought that the power of the Holy Spirit could be bought and paid for as well. Simon thinks that salvation is about some kind of personal gain, that he could continue to be admired and praised And all he had to do was pay Peter and John to show him how to do this magic trick that they were doing. And that leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that sums up that week's main point. And today's big idea is this, the heart of the problem is a problem with the heart. Say that again. The heart of the problem is a problem with the heart. You see, our motives matter. The intentions of our hearts matter to God. Jesus cares more about what's going on in here than he cares about what we do out there. Our motives, our intentions are so important to him. Simon's heart, his intentions were wrong and so he was in sin. So what was the heart problem that Simon was struggling with, that he was ailed with? Well, I see two primary sins that Simon is struggling with in this moment. The first one is that he was struggling with pride. And please hear me, pride is one of the most dangerous sins listed in God's word. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter six, God says that there are seven sins that he absolutely despises with all of his being. And the first one that is mentioned is pride. You see, pride's a big deal. It's a big sin that we need to pay a lot of attention to because out of pride springs so many other sins. When we struggle with our pride, we make ourselves open to other sins to come into our lives. You see, Simon, in this moment, he wanted the fame. He wanted the praise. He wanted the the popularity of the people. He wanted to be someone important. For him, faith was not about living your life for Jesus. For him, it was about what he could get from Jesus For him, it was about self, not selflessness. And so he struggled with pride. I think the other, the second sin that he struggled with was greed. Clearly, he was making money off of his magic tricks and his popularity and and his fame. And he wanted to keep that coming. He was willing to pay money in order to continue his status so that he could, t- could continue living the comfortable life that he was living. He saw money as a spiritual answer to his life. He thought that money was the answer to what he was looking for. And don't get me wrong, you know money is important. We've gotta be able to pay our bills and put food on the table. Money has a, a purpose and a place in our life. We do need it, but money will get you nowhere spiritually without Jesus. Money is not the answer to our spiritual deadness. Only Jesus is the answer to that. You see, you can't buy Jesus. You can't buy off Jesus. You can't earn your worth with Jesus. You can't give enough money away. You can't give enough money to charity or to a church. You can't earn Jesus. What Jesus gives is a free gift. It can't be earned. We're not worthy of it. You can't give something to get Jesus's blessings or his Favor or his salvation, his rescue from our sins. The truth of the matter is, is again, we need money to eat and to pay our bills, but money means very little to our spiritual life. So Simon had the wrong idea. He thought that he could get something out of Jesus if he believed in him. His motivations We're completely wrong. You see, Jesus does not want us to be famous necessarily. He doesn't want us to receive the praise. He wants to receive the praise. He doesn't, we don't get into following Jesus so that we can have blessings and uh, money and things like that. We get into following Jesus so that we can live for Jesus. Jesus wants your heart. That's what he wants. Simon was following Jesus for the wrong reasons. Now let's shift the focus for a moment. What are your wrong reasons? What are the motivations in your life that are not what Jesus wants? How do you have a heart problem? Remember, go back to the big idea, the problem with the heart, or the the heart of the problem is a problem with the heart. What is the heart issue, the wrong motivation, the wrong intentions that you have in your life? How is it? What aspect of your life are you following Jesus in order to get something from Jesus? Maybe, Maybe this is you. Maybe you say, well, if I'm a good person, God will bless me with X, Y, and Z. Or maybe you think if, if I'm a moral person, then I can get this from God. Or maybe you say to yourself, as long as I don't cheat, as long as I uh, love my wife and kids, as long as I don't steal, or, and maybe if I don't lie that much, maybe God will give me heaven. Those are all the wrong intentions. You see, God is not a genie in a bottle that is here for us when we rub his lamp, uh, when we do good things. God's not here for us. Jesus is not here for us because we're worthy. Again, we can't buy him off, we can't barter with him because we have nothing to offer Jesus. We are completely worthless without him. We are the lowest of the low. We don't have enough good works. We don't have enough donations that we can give to the church. We can't earn our goodness with Jesus. You see, we don't have anything to offer. We live for him, not him for us. Following Jesus is not about getting a free ticket to heaven. Following Jesus is about following him, having a relationship with him so that we can point others to him. It's not about us, it's about him. And we get that wrong too many times. It's not about us. It's about him. And yes, we do get heaven out of that. We do get an eternal, perfect existence with Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not the point for following Jesus. The point, the motivation, the heart reason for following Jesus is so that we can point others to him so that we can be his servants, not so that he can be our servant so that we can get something out of him. We must realize that we're completely dependent on Jesus for everything. We are dependent on Him for forgiveness. We are dependent on Him for His mercy. In other words, mercy is not getting what we rightly deserve. Remember earlier, I mentioned that we are criminals because we have all disobeyed God. What does a criminal rightly deserve? A criminal rightly deserves punishment. That means that when we receive forgiveness and mercy, we are not getting what we rightly deserve. We're not getting the punishment that we should be getting. But he also gives us grace. Do you know what grace is? It's kind of the polar opposite of mercy, where mercy is not getting what we rightly deserve, grace is getting what we don't deserve, the blessings from God, you know, the, the, the beautiful weather that we have on a, on a summer day, the rain that we got last week, the, the money in our bank account, the car that we drive, the family and friends that we have, those are God's grace the blessings that we don't deserve. And we receive his gifts. We receive talents and abilities to go and share the good news of Jesus with those around us. So why are you following Jesus? What's your motivation? What is the intention of your heart? if it's so that you can get something from Jesus, you are completely missing the point. And this goes back to messages that we've been preaching over the last several weeks. We're called not to live for us, but to live for him, to live for Jesus. So why are you following Jesus? What's your motivations? What are the intentions of your heart? If it is for your own, is it for your own gain? or for his glory? I encourage you to ask that question this week. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the intentions of your heart, the motivations for why you follow Jesus. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our mind and our hearts to the reasons why we are following you or claim to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would do away with any of those motivations that are self-serving. And instead, we would be motivated to live for you that following you would be about you, not us. So help us, reveal to us the motivations of our hearts, the intentions of our hearts, so that we can live for you in the way that you've called us to. Lord, thank you for loving us so much, for giving us forgiveness and mercy and grace. Help us to live our lives in light of those beautiful gifts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.